Okay, so it's uh, my pleasure to welcome Ernesto uh, with us here. He's been visiting with uh, George and I doing some work on HIV uh, from Mexico. Uh, he'll be here for the rest of the week as well. Uh, he's going to talk to us about Volterra equations and asymptotic properties. Thanks, Ernesto. Welcome, Rick. Thank you very much. Um, the title of my speech, my talk, it's for the asymptotic properties of Volterra equations. I come from uh, Autonomous University of San Luis Potosí at Mexico country. Uh, I am working in the Faculty of Science. Well, <clears throat> good day to everybody. Um, first, first of all, we, we discuss here, uh, four, four topics, four subjects. Then let me introduce you to the, to the main topic that is called the integral equations. Well, our aim is to describe some asymptotic properties of the solution for both types of equations for the integral that is a continuous time and for discrete equations when you have only some instance of, of, of the time well we focus in the first part with integral and the second part with some little numerical treatment for the first problem, then I continue with the discrete equations approximation, and I uh, I, I shall show uh, some property for the stability, and then some special property for the boundness in average, and finally I I I shall present shall show some new uh, subject for the vectorial equations and some little result for the stability analysis and finally my conclusions for the sub for this subject well for this kind of or type of equations we have two main operators. The first is called integral, and here we have, um, let me show you, here we have the integral term, and this equation is called Volterra integral equation of the first type. Here we have the open interval for integration, from zero to, to t, and this function is called kernel, or the nucleus of the function, multiplied by another function that we know the solution for this kind of equations, and that this product inside of the integral needs to be equal to one forcing function, or forcing term. Well, if we 
mix this integral term, the first one, with with a derivative term, we have um, a mixed problem that is called integral differential equation of the first type. And here you have both terms in, inside of plus uh, in addition. You add x and z, and z is the integral term. Well, I shall show you in the next uh, transparency how to work with this kind of, of kernels for the first type. Well, but let me introduce to you uh, first for to the next operator that is called Volterra integral equation of the second type. For this kind of equation, we have the same as the first one. Here you have the kernel multiplied by the, the, needed, uh, the, the function that we want to study his, its behavior. And then we add a for, forcing term. You need to to put the all interval for the for the kernel you need to divide like a window and you need to divide in two indexes from t and s here in the middle we have some little problems but uh, in any case um, if the kernel is not singular, we can approximate the solution, and that is uh, the main topic of my talk. Well, for this second type of equation, if, if we fix the upper limit, then we have this other integral equation that is called Fredholm integral equation of the second type. Sorry. <coughs> Then for the first instant of uh, or the first approximation, we have only the, for the forcing term that is equal to x zero. Well, and finally, I can introduce the third type of Volterra integral equation, and this equation uh, receives its name from Picard. Picard develops. Um, the method in order to to find the exact solution of this kind of equation, and I I can uh, show you how this works. Well, then if we have, let me show you if we have. A uh, Volterra integral equation of the first type, this this kind of equation, I can write here. Equals to one forcing function. Okay. 
Well, if the form, if the integral function, or if the function, because here we have a function that needs to be differentiated uh, many times, then we need here to take care with the exceptional point when s equal t. Well, if the equation is of the ordinary integral differential type, then we can write for this kind of uh, problem the following approximation. All the terms equals to f t. This first approximation for the solution is called ordinary integral differential equations. Because here we have for the function x all the derivative terms until the step n. Well, <clears throat> I show you in the next uh, transparency uh, how to calculate this, this, all the terms. Well, but first I need to, to put some uh, supposition. First, when all the coefficients equals to zero except the last one, for instance, a1 equals a2 until an to zero, but a0 is equal to one, then the equation reduce to the Volterra integral equation of the second type. Okay. Well, and here we need for the kernel a window inside of that of this window is leaving the solution of the integral equation. Well, <clears throat> but also there is another case when all the coefficients are equal to zero, but a zero is equal to another function, for instance, h the t. And here we have the third type of integral equation.
that's the reason to call uh, this type of equation uh, that are approximated step by step. You need to compute the solution step by step. Well, here we have a byproduct of two functions, and also we need to to propose some conditions in order to in order to study the the solution and the behavior of these kind of equations. Well, secondly. I need to introduce a little history why uh, this kind of equations receive its name. Well, in this uh, century, 19th century, Abel proposed this kind of problem in order to find the displacement from x0 to until xf when he puts a rigid body with an altitude, given an altitude, and then he wants to know how the, the body advances on, the, on, a, on a line in a uh, direct uh, trajectory. And also, the main, the main property of this problem is, is placed here. Here we have an inflex uh, uh, point. And then this point we can approximate by this function, where the power belongs from 0 to 1, but not equal 0 and 1. Then, if we give a forcing term, forcing function, that is the altitude, we can compute the final trajectory. Also, we introduce the gravity effect, and uh, also we can compute a boundary condition problem. Well. Then the problem formulation is that equation that is called the Abel, Abel's equation. Then the solution he can he can find the solution in this way. He he computes all the, the derivative terms from the main equations and when you compute the derivatives, you obtain many, many terms, many coefficients, and all these series are compacted or grouped in, in, this, uh, in this constant. And also you can, you can uh, substitute the forcing function and put inside of the integral when you inverse the problem. That's right. Well, then Vito Volterra, at the final of that century, generalized the formulation of the Abel's equation because Abel is more or less the first person who, 
who studies these kind of problems. Well, Paul Terra observes that we can substitute this specific function by this general one. And with this uh, general function term that is called the kernel, we can uh, put many, many conditions and properties. Well, the first is that uh, in order to obtain the existence of the integral equation, we need the forcing term equal zero in the first instant. It's, it says when t equals zero. Then, if we continue, if we get the last instant of the kernel, when we have for s equal t, just in the middle of the window of the integration, if you remember, we have for the kernel this kind of division. Then we can rewrite the integral term on uh, one moment or one instant before the final value of t. Then we can rewrite the second type of equation in this form and also we need to suppose that the function k has not roots on the complete interval. Then, <clears throat> if that is true, if the kernel mm, satisfies these uh, conditions and has no roots, then we can substitute the, the main kernel by this other function. Here we have the partial derivative of the main kernel uh, differentiated by t and divided by k. That's the reason to request that the function k has no roots inside of the interval of interest. Also, also here we have the forcing term function modified. Well, then if we can get the uh, exact solution of all the, of all the trajectory of this kind of equation, then we need to fix um, a subindex here in the function x and then do the iterative process in order to compute the exact uh, solution. Well, if the series converge, then exists uh, the solution that is uniform and absolutely convergent for all the interval from zero until t, time t. Well, let me show you what does it mean. We, we compute step by step, step by step. First, the forcing function. Here we have for the integral, the interval from zero to zero. Then the result is zero for the integral. Only we have the forcing term. Then for the first approximation, 
we substitute the main kernel function here and then we substitute the previous uh, compu computation. Here we have x0, we substitute f. If we continue the, the computation for the second step, for instance, here we have x, x1, we substitute this, this first or this second equation inside of the integral term. We need to, to change, uh, for instance, you see, to change the sub-index for the s variable and to rewrite the equation. When, where, sorry, the function k1 equals, or the function k2, sorry, no, the k, function k1 equals to the main kernel for the second step. And we can group all the terms and put the kernel k2 equals to this uh, specific integral from, from the value s1 until t, but this is the product or the convolution of two, two kernels, k the main and the k1. And here you see we can change the lower limit of the integral. If we continue the computation, for instance, the third step. Here we, we see for the second, here we have x1, x1 inside of the integral. Then for the third step, sorry, x1, Here we have x2. If we substitute, we obtain more or less the same, the, the kernel at step, at the third step. And this is the product of the previous kernel multiplied by the main kernel. Then, if we continue until the step n, then we can find all the products of the approximation here. Here we have all the series because if we substitute the, the step n minus 1, then we obtain all the previous approximations. And with all these uh, sums of terms, we can substitute the Km by these uh, by products of the kernels and and also, <clears throat> here, we need to, to suppose in this integral, we need to find some bounds. These, these bounds, we can calculate by using the module. Well, uh, I explained with the first step. Here we have the difference x1 minus f. Then it's equals to this uh, convolution integral with the kernel and the forcing term. We know for the function k that it, it has a, 
a bound that we can call m uppercase and the function f also has a bound that is called m lowercase then we can we can calculate reduce with both with both uh, <coughs> constants we can calculate the integral that we obtain the product m per, per the function t and this uh, this function is finite inside the interval of our interest where if we continue with this uh, analysis until the step n then here we have uh, the difference of the functions we can we com we compute the module we need to substitute all the series and here we have the main term this main term um, is the biggest for for all the other terms from 1 until n minus 1 that is the the biggest the biggest one in in that way in such manner the maximum bound is given by this quantity <clears throat> then if we have that this series converge then we have the resolvent the resolvent is the compact form for saying the reciprocal um, let me write for you The resolvent is a compact form to say the reciprocal solvent or solvent kernel of the Volterra equations. If you try to for this resolvent or this reciprocal term if you try to to search how it works many many authors in on the literature uh, gives this this name resolvent well this resolvent exists only if the series is convergent converge and if if it happens then we can substitute this term the kernel with this other one with the function r then <coughs> what what is the meaning of the function r here we have all the all, all the terms inside of uh, sum <coughs> If we compute recursively, then we obtain this approximation. Here, we know that uh, we have 
convolution integrals of two kernels. Here we run from two until infinite. Then we can obtain the solution of the integral equation in that in that way. Here I need to 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 say that this function we need to substitute by this other one in this in this way. Here we have uh, the commutative property for for the resolvent uh, function. If you see, well, <coughs> all these all these results are uh, from Beto Volterra. Then. <coughs> The next uh, results are are from from us. Let me introduce first for this first approach the numerical treatment of these kind of problems. Well, we have the complete interval. Then we divide in n values and instance for. Each interval we have the size of the interval defined by this difference. Well, if we discretize the second integral equation, we obtain this approximation, but here we have a problem. We have a new constant inside of the function and we don't know how it works. But well, if you can get all the terms step by step, then you can group it, group them, sorry, inside of a vector in this in this in this way. Well for now we suppose we suppose, we suppose <coughs> that we have a discrete formulation problem in this way. We have a function, maybe it's linear, maybe nonlinear, but it's discrete. And we have all the behavior from instance zero until n. Well, for this system, we need to, or we, we want to study the, the behavior of the, of the trivial solution. Well, we, we can consider two types of systems. The first one is called convolution type equations. Here we have the state multiplied by the coefficients running from 0 to n and the state running from n to 0. And also we can fix another sub-index and this, this type of equation are called non-convolutive type. Well, Let us consider the non-convolutive uh, kind of equations, subtype of, of equations. Here we have the forcing term, but in the discrete version. Well, n 
runs from zero until n. If we multiply both sides of the equality here, we need to pass the forcing term to the left-hand side of the equations and multiply by this operator, we, we obtain this approximation. This function is more or less similar to the resolvent for the integral equation case. Well, if we, if we are rearrange all the terms, we obtain some properties like this one, and we can change the main problem, like, uh, like in the integral equation, we can change this by means of the resolvent. Let me show you. If we substitute, also we know that this uh, sum of terms are equal to zero, then if the series converge, then we can rewrite the solution in this form, in this way. Here we have the dependence of the forcing term inside of the solution. Well, the next one is other property for this kind of equations is the stability. Let me introduce you to this uh, to this result. We consider again the same formulation problem, a discrete equation. Then we, we introduce the definition for the stability in the sense uh, for any epsilon greater than zero, there exists one delta in function of that epsilon greater than zero, such that the initial state is inside of this delta. And that implies that all the behavior are inside of epsilon for all the steps. Well, this kind of definition uh, is used in order to obtain sufficient stability conditions by applying the Lyapunov second method. Also, if we suppose that we have stability, then we also consider the limit until n tends to infinity and the series equals zero uh, in order to obtain asymptotical stability condition. Well, what does it mean? So, let me introduce you these two theorems. We need the classical Lyapunov functional. Why functional? Because here we have all the states all the discrete states. Here we need that the function is uh, positive definite. We need a bound by the low and by the up. Then if, if this function satisfies this property, then the solution is called stable. And we define the operator delta for this kind of equation in this way. Also, for the asymptotic stability, we need to find another scalar function in order to satisfy this other 
condition. Well, with, with these two theorems, we can apply this, uh, this procedure in order to obtain this kind of Lyapunov functions. Here we have four steps. For the first step, we descompose the main, the main discrete equation in two terms. Here we need to fix the index tau in order to obtain g1 or g2. For the function, for the first function, g1, we can find two, <coughs> uh, sorry, one positive definite function in order to bound the Lyapunov function, and then we can compute the operator delta. And also for the function g2, we can do the same with the rest of the of the of the terms and we can sum delta v1 and delta v2 in order to obtain the complete the complete property let me show you for examples how how this procedure works uh, let me consider this finite equation. We have only two instances in order to to show you what what it happens. Well with with these two instances we can rearrange the terms. Here we have the term G1, G2, if you see. Then we we need to suppose an auxiliary equation uh, let, let us say the function y or y, sorry. If we compute the operator delta, we obtain this. Here we have for the positive definite that this term are less than one. With this auxiliary equation, we can compute the first term b1 and to obtain all this all this uh, result if we continue for b2 we obtain these other terms we simplify the equation and thus here we have the complete uh, stability region for this approximation. Here you have both the both uh, parameters, the parameter space A0 and A1. That is the stability region for this first approximation. Well, for the second example, we consider this other uh, approximation for function F1 and F2. We der derive all the all the terms for the Lyapunov functionals and finally we obtain here the condition for the non-positive definite term and for this uh, 
uh, this term we have this stability domain in the paramet parameter space A0 versus A1. Well, the next example, what happens if we iterate the equation with the previous instant? Then we have this, uh, this other equation, this other rewriting. We fix these two terms, we obtain the operator delta for the Lyapunov function. Finally, we, we obtain this constant and the stability domain appears in this, in this other form. For the last example, what happens if we, if we get the, the, the vectorial approach? Then here we have two instances. We need to put both instances inside of a vector. This vector uh, needs to define one matrix that is formed by these two uh, coefficients and we need to propose this Lyapunov matrix equation and for this matrix we need to, to prove the stability conditions and finally we obtain these uh, stability conditions and this domain. Let me show you what, what happened. All the previous cases are contained in this one. Here we have the first one. Uh, the parameter space runs from minus one until one, also from here from minus one until one. Then we get all the other stability domains. Then you can change the, the region with this procedure. Well, the next property that we, we study and we obtain some results are the score boundedness in average. What does it mean? Well, consider this formulation problem. Here we have a forcing term. Then we need to introduce these two other functions in order to obtain some specific properties for the Lyapunov functionals. Here we work with with the function, with the square functions, and we with um, modulus. Well. For this kind of approximation, finally we find that we need these, these two main functions and to, to succeed this property for the non-negative non -negative value for the operator delta. Well, then we need to to introduce the definition of boundedness in average, then if, if this first function that we call function j satisfies this condition that it, it is uh, bounded, it is finite on the, in the average, then 
inside of the theorem we can we can compute this uh, this these scalar functions in fun uh, with with the function of r and the operator delta as, as we see previously is defined by the difference of these two terms where this term is bounded in average in order to obtain the negative condition then if we substitute this uh, convergence uh, result we have that the solution is boundedness in average for all the instance well let me if you remember for the for the for example we have uh, the problem when we need to rearrange all the instances inside of one vector then what happens if we if we put this uh, kind of problem then here we have an increasing factor then we need to put many matrices inside of the main operator and here we have uh, the vectorial case for Volterra discrete equations and for this for this kind of description we do some little approximation at the time let me let me show you the next question what happens with the vectorial equations when we have only a finite difference state here is the traditional formulation problem you have only two instances and one operator linear operator mat matrix a well if you want to study the stability property the stability analysis can be done if you compute the root lossy of the characteristic polynomial and you explain what happens with with the roots inside the unit unitary disk well and also you can study the stability property with the following Lyapunov matrix equation and you need that this equation is positive definite well if we substitute our problem then we need we need to to obtain many matrices positive definite also a functional vectorial uh, term here sorry I have a mistake here is zero running from zero until the instant n and the Lyapunov condition reduced to this approximation here we have a matrix uh, Lyapunov equation here we have if we reduce n equals one then we obtain the the traditional problem that is this one here you can see but if you increase the state at every step you you need to to rearrange the matrix and to put 
all the dynamics inside this this other one. Well, and I finish my I I give you my conclusions for this subject. Well, the first one. We talk about that we need to compute for this, for instance, for the integral equation, we need to compute the solution step by step. We need to, to do an iterative process in order to obtain the exact solution and completely. Well, then this, uh, this means that the most important behavior is that the solution needs all the heredity or the dependence on the whole previous history of the solution. Well, what does it mean? It means that for continuous and discrete case, you need all the steps in order to obtain the, the, the solution. We derive and we also explain what does it mean the resolvent function. Here we have the definition, the reciprocal problem. We, we need to do the inverse formulation problem to, in order to obtain the solution. Also, we need to introduce the discrete Lyapunov functional method in order to study the stability and the boundedness in average for the discrete case. We show how the stability regions change when you, when you play with the indexes and how when you get all the hereditary, all the terms with the vectorial case, you have the complete domain of the stability region. That is the main uh, the main result. Well, also this other property, the boundedness, and also we can continue with the study of the boundedness for the solution, for uh, uh, other specific nonlinear systems. Here only we, we give as sufficient conditions for asymptotic stability and boundedness in average. Also, we need to, to define the operator delta for both cases, scalar and vectorial one. Then the next step, I think, is to apply some theoretical results to problems, for instance, viscoelasticity, population dynamics, and also discrete systems. Maybe it is possible to, to use this approach in order to obtain some stability conditions to process uh, image or some systems that need to, to, to work in a multidimensional space. Well, and here are here you find some references. 
when I publish my results, and that's it. Thanks, Ernesto. Uh, are there any questions or comments? I guess one question I was going to ask was, uh, and maybe it was the previous slide, but as some, in several of the examples in the talk, you could solve it by normal difference equation methods, right? So you could use Lyapunov equation or so on. But do you, do you have, have you done some of these other examples where you can't use normal techniques and you need to use the Volterra type or? Uh, how to use Volterra and Unitary? That's, uh, could you please repeat no. the question, <laughs> the last part? Uh, so do you have examples where you need to use the Volterra representation and that sort of stability analysis? And you can't use a difference equation or some other one? Ah, another method uh, to study. Uh, that is the only, okay. the only way by, by the Lyapunov method, second Lyapunov method. I need, or maybe the people need to study another approximation for the stability problem. Okay, thanks very much then.